Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening and joining us today. We're going to start things off a little bit different than usual because uh, we had, I mean, I don't know if we want to, I want to call it a tragedy, but uh, we had a pretty major loss here at Half Ass Horrorcast. This is for my homies. <laughs> <laughs> I tip a 42 young memory. I lost the last recording. <laughs> we sat down uh, to record a cutting class episode, and we were firing on all cylinders. Uh, we were so enthusiastic that Jeff and I left the recording <laughs> to go record a video at a haunted house here locally, because uh, we did not want the magic to end that night. And we even had a conversation in the car afterwards about how great the podcast went. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, before I left, I was like, do we need to do anything with the recording? And you were like, no, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> this is true. I took it for granted that everything would work, and uh, it did not. So, uh, I don't, I'm not really sure exactly what I did wrong, but I have a decent idea. It's too a little too boring to go over <laughs> on a podcast, but uh, hopefully it won't happen again. Uh, so, this is Cutting Class Take Two. Slash in memoriam. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just watched Cutting Class. It was just another ordinary, dull, and boring semester at Worley High. Attention, faculty and students. This is Mr. Dante, your principal. The classrooms were in disorder. As of today, you're suspended. Relationships were impossible. Not until your grades improve. And the teachers were insane. I'll you. But this year was going to be different. Someone was going to teach a lesson no one would forget ever. By the way, Frankenstein's staring at you. Get shocked every day he was in the hospital. Every single day. How could they do that to him? I like you, Paula. I really do. Leave Paula and me alone. Are you telling me the truth? I'm trying. What is this? Survival class? <laughs> Donovan Leach, Jill Sholin. Brad Pitt, Roddy McDowell, and Martin Mull. On the floor. In this school, you don't die trying. You just die. Get out of the school! Help! Help! Cutting class. The school is closed. High school can be murder. Just ask Paula. Her overprotective father disappears during a weekend hunting trip. Very important. She's being romantically pursued by a creepy classmate who recently graduated from a mental institution. Also important. Her jealous jock boyfriend, Brad Pitt, is looking for any reason to release his juvenile rage. Ooh. The lecherous school principal, also important, is after her tight student body. Her friends and teachers are rapidly falling victim to the silent, shadowy mass murderer. As the body count rises, Paula begins to suspect that any one of her reckless suitors could be the twisted killer. 
That's the principal, her jock boyfriend, and the mental institution guy. But unless she learns his identity soon, her high school education will quickly come to a nasty end. Well, that's the movie. Yeah, so Kia, wh why did you pick this one? Why, why was I chose this, this movie because it's one that I remember from my childhood, it coming on the table. And I feel like most people have probably never heard of this movie before because I never hear about it. And I don't know if people even know that Brad, this, you know, this was like an early Brad Pitt movie. So. Yeah, when, when I mentioned, I had never really heard of it when you brought it up to me, you know, back when we first started dating. And uh, when I ran it by my friend Adam at work, who's seen like every slasher movie and a lot of horror movies, he's just, you know, encyclopedia of this stuff. Um, he had even admitted that he thought he had heard of it, but had never actually watched it. So it's a pretty good pick in terms of getting something obscure that has a really big star in it. So you think it'd be a little more widely seen. So what about Jeff, someone that had seen it for the first time for the podcast? What were some of your impressions or takeaways? Well, uh, it was my first time seeing it, as you said. Yes. And it's yeah. been, again, we've recorded this once, so it's been a minute since Jeff has actually watched it. So, yeah. Have you was, heard of it before? Um, no. But uh, it's fun. It's like a fun 80s teen movie. Um, I feel like it's more of an 80s teen movie than a... Uh, it's, it's a slasher movie, too, but I feel... I like... I don't know. I like it. I think it's fun. I think the uh, one 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 thing I remember we talked about was the the main so the girl in the movie it seems like everybody's kind of crazy about her Paula yeah yeah but I, I was watching why why is everybody freaking out over her she's doesn't have much of a personality she's not like the most beautiful girl in the movie or anything mm. but like you know what's his name uh, Roddy McDowell yeah he's, like, the super principal pearly yeah. and creepy and like watching her bend over and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like what, isn't there like a scene where he's like creeping on her and watching her like in the uh, changing room he essentially like gives her her cheerleading cheerleading uniform and insists that she she puts it on there in front yeah. of him almost yeah. like it's very awkward and yeah like and she's blatant like, oh hey yeah she's like oh you and it doesn't really acknowledge very much that he is a creep like Every male teacher is a creep in this yeah. in this movie. It's yeah, the art teacher is also that's right. Yeah, pretty creepy from what I remember. He like poses. Yeah. He poses Paula. First of all, Paula is like uh, a live. Uh, what do you call it? Like what they're well, all the students are drawing. She is like a model. Model. That's what I'm looking for. And uh, the creepy kid walks in, and the art teacher notices the creepy kid is kind of like you know like ooh transfixed, mm -hmm. and he's like you. Come here to the center of the class, you know, to the to the model, and he like poses them in like kind of like uh, explicit. I mean, they're not like blatantly having sex positions, but it's like sultry. Yeah, he's sexy. putting them in like kind of a sexual positions and everything, and yeah. it's very strange for a teacher to do to two of the students. You know, um, it's just funny to me that you know you're reading this movie or watching this movie called Cutting Class, and you know it's a high school set slasher film. And like a good five to ten minutes of the setup of the first bit of the movie is this middle-aged man going on like a hunting expedition. <laughs> like he gets on, he gets all his gear and he, you know, says goodbye to his daughter and he drives out to the sticks, talks to like some of the, you know, interesting characters at the uh, bait shop, mm -hmm. uh, gets his gear, goes outside, mm -hmm. you know, starts fishing. Like it's like this whole thing, you know, it's this whole setup. And then finally he's attacked. Yeah. And you would go, oh, wow, okay, this is, you know. And uh, he is not killed, though. And it's intercut 
Like, he has a little ongoing story all throughout the movie of trying to get home, even though he's been shot with an arrow. <laughs> and he's, you know, he, for some reason it's, like, hurt him to the point where he can't really talk very loud. So he can't call for help, and it's pre-cell phone, so he doesn't have a cell phone. And he doesn't know how to get back to the main road, I guess. So he's just literally walking home through the woods, I guess. I don't, I don't know why he doesn't try to make it back to his vehicle. That I don't remember how... Maybe lost. Yeah. But there's a great moment towards the end where, like... I think the daughter sends the police to to get her father, and they have like bloodhounds. And the bloodhounds come up to him, and he's like, "Get help! 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 You understand English?" And obviously, the bloodhounds did not get help. He's yeah, it just cuts away from it, and you never know. There's no explanation to you. Yeah, and there's another there's another sequence where the main kids, in, you know, of the film are on a field trip. With their science teacher, and they're out in the wilderness looking for exotic rocks, I guess, or something. And Martin Mole is like within like reaching distance of some of these kids, <laughs> and can't speak loud enough for them to hear him. Yeah. And for whatever reason, even though they're searching for rocks or whatever, they don't see this grown man in the middle of the, yeah. the, the field. Away from him. Yeah, like please well, don't. You know. Why didn't he like clap? It, yeah, something. that's a great or throw a rock or yeah. just anything because he was still somewhat able-bodied yeah. to a certain extent. For some reason so. he couldn't. His he, he was his voice was very low and raspy. Yeah. So maybe he was dehydrated, so he couldn't. Yeah. But um, it's funny as an adult <laughs> watching this. These are all things. <laughs> Please. <laughs> these are all things I didn't note. Oh, of course. Speaking of being young and not noticing things that it's obvious when you're watching as an adult, like the creepy guy manages to pop up everywhere right and no one ever notices him he hides behind like a water cooler while oh, yeah. there's like four kids in the room and like magnifies his head yeah that's he the magnifies best his head. he's behind the water cooler and his head is clearly right where the water cooler part is the bottle <laughs> part and yeah it amplifies his head where it's as big as the water cooler itself and it's like how could you not notice this man sitting behind you know anyway and the dumpster when yeah. he just happens to be hiding in the, in, a, in the dumpster right. when someone throws out some very important papers. Right. And as soon as they throw out those papers, he, like, pops up from the dumpster and he's like, yes. <laughs> so it's like, how did you know to be in the dumpster yeah. before the paper? But as a kid, I'm like, this guy is amazing. He's everywhere. He's but like, it never dawned on me that that's just not realistic. He's like the Jason Bourne of <laughs> serial killer, teenage serial killers. Also, when I was watching, I was thinking, like, okay, like, I think they're trying... Like, they're making it too obvious that this guy is the one doing it, so it's got to be somebody else. Like, it, mm. it, there, I was, I was, I kept thinking it was going to be sort of like Scream, where you're trying to figure out who is the actual killer, but then you're like, oh, no, it is, it's this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I was going to bring that up. Was there any, any question watching it that it was going to be anyone but the creepy kid? I feel like as a kid, I thought it could have also been Brad Pitt. Like, I, mm -hmm. I didn't know. And for some reason, also as a kid, I kind of liked the creepy guy. I mean, they kind of play him somewhat sympathetic in the, the first, like, 30 minutes or so. Yeah, and I mean, I think you could watch this in genuine... If we're very, like, um, I don't know the word, but we've seen so many movies, just people in general, that think it's hard to shock people or mm -hmm. throw people off. But I think, like, when I watched it when I was younger, I do think they set it up so that he had a lot of sympathetic moments. Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, maybe it's not him. Because there's a, there's a history between him and Brad Pitt's character where Brad Pitt screws this kid over. And you're like, oh, so maybe Brad Pitt is the bad guy. Yeah. He's manipulative. Because mm -hmm. he does something that gets this creepy guy 
sent to the mental institution. Right. So now you're thinking, oh, well, maybe Brad Pitt's the crazy guy. It. Yeah. And he's Brad Pitt's not a good guy. He's like a problem student. So yeah, he's kind of like the quintessential like '80s douchebag like yeah. boyfriend bad guy character. Yeah, he really could be guy. like Johnny in The Karate Kid. Right. Like he, he he's mm-hmm. that character basically, like yeah. this kind of this overbearing jock and. Uh, doesn't really have very many redeeming qualities, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, if it wasn't Brad Pitt playing him, yeah. I don't think, he, you know. But he wasn't Brad Pitt at the time, though. yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, his handsome lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not even really the main character. He's probably, like, what, fourth on the list, really? I mean, the girl, Paula, is Paula's the main the character. character. Then I, I would argue the psycho character, the mental institution yeah, is probably a bigger character than Brad Pitt. Yeah, um, and then good old Martin Mull. Uh, mm-hmm. What about kills? I, I I remember a couple of kind of interesting kills in this movie. Any that pop out to you guys? Or <laughs> well, there's the one where he threw that T-shirt in the uh, the oven. <laughs> Why did it take so long for that teacher to be discovered? Like, no one noticed, hey, this teacher's been missing. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. he was discovered until, like, other teachers had already been killed. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The one that stuck out to me when I was younger, again, is when he kills the lady on the teacher on the, um, the, the copy, copy machine. What do you want? What, what do you want? When I was younger and as an adult, I didn't understand how she died. Like, did he just, like, was a blunt force trauma to the head? I didn't understand. He just, like, drags her head across the copier machine, but I didn't understand, like, how that would have killed her. (laughs) Yeah, and then, I I swear, when I saw that as a kid, every time I used a copy machine, I was like, this machine is dangerous because apparently (laughs) you can die if you put your face directly on it. She was kind of elderly, right? So maybe it's just like the shock of having someone manhandle you. Maybe she had like a little heart attack. I guess. It just never was explained, I feel. No, it definitely was not. Um, Because there's a whole lot of blood coming out of her mouth, too. Mm. And you don't really see like how that happened either. Was it just like one punch? It just Mm. seems weird. I was like... I, I, to this day, I still don't exactly know how she died. But I mean, died she did. My favorite kill has got to be. <laughs> it's got to be the coach. Flagpole sitter. Oh yeah, flagpole <laughs> sitter. The guy. There's the coach who is overbearing and is very mean to Brad Pitt's character because Brad Pitt uh, throws a basketball game, doesn't do very well, and the coach uh, punishes him by making him come in after you know after class and you know training. And for whatever reason, uh, there's a sequence where the coach is jumping on a trampoline, <laughs> you know, and he's just really getting into jumping on this. This this coach is like 40 years old, maybe older. This like, really, Wee! yeah, just like, really <laughs> into jumping on this trampoline, doing all these little tricks, and you know, falling on his bottom and jumping back up. That's kind of his his go to move. <laughs> and uh, the killer 
uh, slides underneath the trampoline with a flagpole and shoves it up. Like I'm gesturing like anyone can see. Shoves it up into the trampoline where, obviously, when the coach does his bottom plant, <laughs> he will, like, impale himself on the flagpole. <laughs> And it works. It absolutely, you know, like you see it set up and it's actually kind of well done in the sense of you're anticipating this moment. And you're like, oh yeah. God, he's really going to just like land <laughs> ass first on this flagpole. And it totally happens and it kills him. It's. Uh... I also noticed though that like in reality that would almost be impossible because the length of the pole. Yeah. Like in order to like get it to go underneath, the pole would have to be shorter. Yeah. But it's like a really long pole and he's like. That's a good point. Like he just cuts it, like it's up there. That's a great point. I mean, you know, it works for the movie. The the kill is worth uh, suspending your disbelief. I mean, (laughs) in that case, because it's it's pretty great. Um, It definitely was fun, and and I think that the filmmakers and some of the people in the film understood what they were making. Like Martin Mull's character, and I don't even think Rodney McDowell. Like, I think they kind of were in on the joke a little bit. They knew yeah. that this wasn't really going to be scary, and they kind yeah. of played it. The janitor guy, too, kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like... I forgot about that character. Yeah. Yeah, there's a janitor in this that is just like... Hates the kids. I mean, like, why he is a janitor <laughs> at this place, or works with children, I, I don't know. He just... He has it out for these guys. Um, I, I, I thought there was a small chance he could have been the killer. That's what I'm saying. There are a lot of... Every guy is kind of creepy in this movie. Yeah. And so it could be um, a lot of people. So It would just be a little disappointing, I guess, if it was anyone but the psycho kid. What do you think it would have been disappointing? Like, if it turned out to be, be Brad Pitt, that could have been a good little... That would have been kind of like cool. a cool twist. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I remember last time we recorded, I uh, pointed out the bad acting scene with, like, the girl. There's and no the, such thing. There is. Uh, <laughs> what is this? It's like that scene where they're in the bedroom. Oh, where? That ring belongs to Dwight. We gotta stop him. We must help him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no one, no one says must. We must. We must help him. That's also the scene where we, when Craig and I watched it, um, I noticed like how unnaturally blue the sky is. The mm-hmm. sky is just like this really weird blue color. It's very mm-hmm. obvious that it's like inside of a studio. Mm-hmm. Again, something I never noticed as a kid, but when I watched it, I was like, that is so fake. There's also a weird running gag with how uh, Brad Pitt is a maniac when he drives. Remember that? Like, there's, like, two or three scenes. Yeah, he almost, like, kills a little kid at one yeah. point. <laughs> and then at the end, Martin Mull's character stumbles down a hill. He still has not been discovered. Yeah. And the kid, by the way, I guess his daughter has accepted that he's not coming back. I don't know. What, yeah, she's I mean, like, yeah, well. Like, he never got in touch with her. He, uh, he's the apparently, police didn't find him. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Or maybe she just thought he was still on the hunting expedition and he wasn't that's supposed true. to return. That's about it. I don't know if she sent the police for him. I they think they were just, looking for the killer. Yeah, that's true. And it just happened that they found so Martin Mole. he was still a, on his yeah. hunting expedition. But, but Martin Mole, like, stumbles down a hill... To his house. He's walked all the way back to his house. <laughs> and uh, Brad Pitt almost hits him with his car. Like, there's like a moment where he's like, oh, and you think, wow, is this going to like... <laughs> he finally makes it. Uh, is this going to be like the kicker that they leave us with? Is that they murder this poor guy after all this time? 
But no, they you know they stop just in time and they have a nice reunion. And the dad's all like, Paula, have you been cutting class? (laughs) Does he really? I forgot that. that. I was impaled by an arrow a week ago. It's probably infected. Please give me the hospital. (laughs) By the way, have you been cutting class? (laughs) That is that's his first priority. Uh, So what what about it, guys? Do you do you recommend? Before you finish, a little trivia bit that I still want to add is that the main girl, um, Joe, what's her name? Paula in the movie. Yeah, Paula. Her real name's like Jill Sholin. Mm-hmm. And Brad Pitt were like a real item. Oh, yeah. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they were engaged, right? I think. And then she was like away filming something and he went out to meet her and she's like, I fell in love with someone else. And then he was like, fine, I'll just become Brad Pitt. Maybe that's what moved The best her. revenge like, is living well. Aren't you already Brad Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> You'll understand in I'm a few years. <laughs> You'll find out when a new little movie, movie called coming Fight out, Club called, comes out. No, what's the other one that came out first? Uh, seven cool Club World? Monkeys? Cool World? I mean, I guess that came before those movies. Yeah, Cool World. That's what I'm saying. He's like, you'll find out when this next movie hits and it's a... Was that movie hits. that big of a hit? No. I think that's the joke. joke. Oh, she was like, gotcha. I'm glad I'm with... Pierre, Why? screw you, Brad Pitt. <laughs> and then finally, yeah, River runs through it, happens, and mm-hmm. Legends of the Fall, and she's like, maybe I. <laughs> true romance. Mm-hmm. She's true like, romance. wait a minute. Mm-hmm. He's in like, he's in a movie with Christian Slater? Oh my gosh, he's in three minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so yeah, what, 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 what about it, guys? Mm-hmm. Are we recommending this movie? Under what circumstances? Yes. Yes, definitely recommending it. Yeah. Uh, we just reviewed. No kidding. <laughs> so we're, we're recommending it with no caveats. I mean, it's like I, I, I think if you like, you know, eighties teen movies yeah. and kind of like fun. Oh, it's a fun movie. It's like a. Yeah, I guess that's the only thing I want to stipulate is that it's not horror in the sense that, like, you're probably not. Scary. Yeah, you're not going to be scared by this movie, but you're going to have fun with it. It's yeah. it's 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 a fun horror movie slasher movie. Um, and like Jeff said, it probably has more in common with a teen film of that era than it does a slasher of that era. So, yeah. and if you search around on YouTube, you could find the whole movie for free to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. So, are we gonna grade it? Yeah, let's let's give it a rating. I think I gave it a B last time, so this time I'll give it a B. Uh, Nostalgia wants me to give it an A, but I think I'll give it a B plus. Uh, yeah, I think I'll give it. You know, there's enough in it <laughs> where it's definitely worth watching. So I'll give it a solid B also. So yeah, check this one out, guys. Like like Jeff said, it's available on YouTube if you just kind of search around a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit tougher to find elsewhere. Uh, we got ours used at uh, McKay's here in Nashville. Um, but I think you can still find it on Amazon and stuff like that. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we Kia just reviewed Cutting Motherfucking Class. <laughs> I was going to be like, cutting ass. So, season two of Stranger Things has dropped, everyone. That's right. (laughs) With sure has. <laughs> upcoming release of... No, wait. <laughs> no, uh, I'll, I'll give the where this idea came from. Okay. Uh, one day I was driving home from work and I was thinking about recast... Like if they remade certain movies and stuff, I think about that a lot. About if they were recast... If they were to make a new movie based on an old movie, who would they cast in certain roles? And then I thought like, 
with Stranger Things, I kind of flipped it, and I thought, like, what if they made Stranger Things in 1985 and used actual actors from the 80s? Yeah. If it had been made in the 80s, like, who would they have, I have chosen? So uh, I got in touch with you, I got in touch with Craig, and uh, said, hey, maybe we could do this for the podcast where we mm-hmm. go through Stranger Things as if it was made in 85, and who would we cast? So And potentially it could be a segment, I think. Yeah, it yes. could be an ongoing thing if... Casting game. Yeah. Stranger Things, 1985. So, uh, we'll go by each character and we'll go around the table and we'll see like who everybody picked. All right. So, I'm going to start with Dustin, the kid, uh, you know, with the no, no teeth in the first season. Right. Um, I went with an actor named Jason Presson, who is uh, in a movie called Explorers. Played Darren in that movie, and uh, he actually looks a lot like the kid that plays Dustin. Is he essentially the main character in the Explorers? No. I saw that recently. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the Explorers was Ethan Hawke in uh, River Phoenix, mm-hmm. and then the third guy. The third guy's the guy I'm talking about. Okay, he's the guy that like you know has the dirt bike and like he's like I don't dream. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He does look like him. Yeah. So. Wow, he really that, looks like him. That's that's my pick. For Dustin, originally I went with Jerry O'Connell, but now I changed it to Peter Billingsley. <laughs> Who's Peter Billingsley? Christmas Story. Oh, the blonde kid? Yeah, because I think he's cute, a little chubby. Oh, uh, Dirt Bike Kid. Remember that movie? No. Mm-hmm. That is not from Christmas he was, Story. He was, he was the Dirt Bike Kid. <laughs> it's a movie called The Dirt Bike Kid? Oh, well, I mean, I think, again, I, I think that cuteness, obviously, is, is a thing we're all hitting on. For Dustin... We have to acknowledge that he's kind of an outsider because of his appearance, whatever, like having no teeth and everything. It's something that they mention a few times. Um, so I think, you know, with that in mind, Emmanuel Lewis would be the appropriate pick. Webster. He's an outsider. Right. Yeah. Because he's black. No, because How he's dare you! Because he's three feet tall. Because he's a little person. <laughs> and he's really I'm cute. Kidding. Man and George. Oh, and they would, they would bring that up at some point. They would be like... Why are you so short, kid? And he'd be like, it's a it's a kidney condition, <laughs> jerk. You know? And they would mention, like, he looks like he's four years old. And he'd be like, I'm 12. You know, because he was. Like, when he was on Webster, he was actually, yeah. you know, like a preteen. Yeah. And even though they... I'm 37, you <laughs> So I think that would actually be a pretty fun, like, character element or whatever for that type of character. And then you know, he'd be Dustin. really cute with, like, his... The little the hat and yeah. the, the hat and the, the little monster the cog polywog ride a tinier bike than <laughs> with training Aww. wheels on it. <laughs> Hold on, guys. My uh, my second pick. Super. This is also when we first recorded. Uh, my second pick was Warwick Davis, who played oh, Wicket yeah. in Return of the Jedi, for similar reasons. So, my my second pick I for that was nice. Jeff B. Cohen. You know, chunk from yeah. oh yeah, call it from Goonies. Goonies, yeah. All right, let's move on to Mike. Essentially the main character, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, for Mike, I picked Henry Thomas, the kid who played Elliot in E.T. Yeah. yeah. I forgot to say, I mentioned uh, their ages, like mm-hmm. these actors. Uh, Jason Preston was like 14 in 1985, and so was Henry Thomas. So mm. they could play like a year or two younger. Yeah. So. I tried to stick with the ages. I might be off by a couple years, but I figured you can play younger or play older. But I did try to... Be reasonable. So for my pick, Mike, I picked Joey Kramer from Flight of the Navigator. It's a good call. 
That's the main kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and didn't you say he, like, fell on hard times? He's, like, another one of those oh, that, yeah. like... yeah. I think he, like... I don't, I don't yeah. want to put that out there if it didn't happen. But, <laughs> yeah, according to Wikipedia, he's falling on hard times. I can say that. I, I picked, for Mike Wheeler, the main character, I picked Christian Bale, who was a child oh, actor in that era. So we would have had one of our generation's greatest actors <laughs> as Mike. Future Batman. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's move on to, let's do Will next. For me, for me, I picked Barrett Oliver. Wait, Christian Slater's future Batman. What does that mean? What? what? You said future Batman, Christian Slater? You said Christian Bale, right? Christian Bale. Oh, oh. this whole time I'm thinking Christian Slater. Oh. I was like, what? You done fucked Sorry. up. <laughs> <laughs> Will the Upside Down Kid. Yeah, I picked Barrett Oliver, who was the lead character in uh, The Neverending Story and Daryl. And, uh, That's really good casting. Yeah. Yeah, like At the time, he would have been about 12 years old. And then, uh, yeah, I'll just leave that to, uh, I might tell you my second choice later, but I think my second choice is, I think one of you got my second mm. choice, so, uh-uh. well, unless you changed it. I picked Fred Savage. Was that your second choice? No. Oh. But that, that's, a, that's, that's a good call. Yeah, I could see that too. He would have been pretty young in 85, though. He would have been like, because he was like 12-ish wonder years, wasn't he? It was yeah. 90. He can play older. He'd have been like six years old. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> With his lunchbox. Mm. Got stilts. Uh, I picked Stephen Dorff. That's of The Gate. Yes. That's good. Yeah, Fred Savage would have been like... <laughs> like four. <laughs> Mommy? <laughs> I'm in the sixth grade, I promise. <laughs> I'm in the upside down. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 76. He would have been like nine... Uh, well, yeah. be, you know, he could have potentially played older. Of course. Older. That would have been around the uh, <laughs> boy who could fly era. Uh. He's got, he like put pee in that water gun. Oh, yeah. Good scene. <laughs> and then uh, Lucas would be the next one. I went with Alfonso Ribeiro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was our big story last time. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I, can I say it? Sure. Again, yeah. Really quickly, we were having, well, I was having problems like trying to figure out young black actors from this time. Because Lucas in the show is obviously black. A black kid. Yes. Yeah. And Craig was like, oh, you just wait. I got one. And I was like, who? Alfonso Rivera. <laughs> just offered, I mean, you didn't even hesitate. And at that time, it was, yeah, that's who he had picked. He kind of was like the only like child actor at the time that I guess I was like even googling and stuff. I was like, where I can't think mm. of anybody but like, age appropriate. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. My other runner up would have been Gary Coleman, who was <laughs> 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 older, but like you know he looked short. So. We would have had two small. Gary Coleman and Webster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, in 1985, that would have been a pretty big deal. Yeah, that would have been a that would have. <laughs> been a big box office draw. <laughs> um, um, but uh, who did you pick? I picked two. I picked Leo. My first pick was Brandon Adams from People Under the Stairs. But I think he would have been a little too young. He'd been like an Shut up. <laughs> so, so then I picked Leo O'Brien, who played Richie, the younger brother in The Last Dragon. Cool. He should have definitely been age appropriate. I think what you guys have to remember what I picked. Mario Lopez. <laughs> Slater. There's only so much Slater to go around. <laughs> you 
got the most diverse cast, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you pointed out, like, it doesn't say anywhere in the script that he has to be black. I mean, it, it except really, for season two, though. Season, season two, two it, it up, becomes but... a, a little bit more, you know, pointed. But in the first season, I, I don't recall there ever being a real reference to him yeah. well, when being he a black kid. Well, he was bullied. There's a, those bullies at school, remember? Mm. Calls him, like, Midnight or something like that when they're mm. bullying him. They t- t- talk about the kid's teeth and they call that dude... Lucas Midnight. Mm-hmm. So that was like. Hmm. They could have changed that. Well, I mean, Slater still could have been called Midnight because he's, you know, he's got kind of that like. Dark and handsome. You know, dark handsome. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, it's only that Ghostbuster conversation in season two where that. Becomes, yeah. And, and potentially oh, yeah. with Billy, Max's brother. Having such a big deal with her hanging out with Lucas or whatever. I mean, there there might be something there, but it might just be he's mm-hmm. a freak. And yeah. yeah, it was never specifically said yeah. why he hated that kid so much. Right. But so who's oh. next? Is he one of the ones you're adding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I want to add him to mine because yeah. I, I have somebody okay. already. Okay. Um. So so we got the those are the four main. Okay. Next mm-hmm. is eleven. Uh, and for eleven. I was trying to decide between... I have three people written down. Um, my first thought was Alyssa Milano, who would have been about 13 at the time. Mm. But then I thought a great little twist would be to cast Winona Ryder as 11. Because mm. she would have been about 14. So it's mm, pretty good call. She could have played a little younger. My original answer was Danielle Harris from the Halloween movies and The Last Boy Scout. Um, I'm trying to think of a kid that would look, also look good with no hair, or girl. Um, so then today I thought of Eileen Quinn who played Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess because she, she you want her to be kind of cute, and Eileen Quinn younger she's okay. really cute. Mm-hmm. And then when she meets the you know her, like her sister, mm-hmm. and she becomes kind of like badass. She's had like this great head of red curly hair. That we. For badass. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. I like it. Uh, my pick for 11 slash Jane, as we know now. Spoilers. Um, I picked uh, Feruza Balk, who, not that long before this era. Oh, that was weird. Really? Yeah. And she, she was in. People don't know who she is. The Craft, I guess, would be yeah. her biggest movie. American Return History to Oz. X. Yeah. Return yeah. to Oz is what I was thinking of okay. is, uh, as a child actor, um, which wasn't, which, I mean, I think that was roughly this era, wasn't it? Wasn't it like 85, 86? Yeah, it was, because I remember seeing that like a week before I saw Back to the Future. Yeah, so, so she's age-appropriate also. So next on the list, I'm going to go with Jonathan Byers, the cool older brother who likes... Oh, the camera kid, yeah. yeah. Um, so I wrote down several, but I think the one I've... Well, originally I thought River Phoenix, because I feel like those two guys look very similar. Mm-hmm. But River Phoenix probably would have been a little too young to play Jonathan, because he would have been around the same age as the younger kids. Right. Would. So uh, I went with Christian Slater. Mm. The future Batman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I went with, because Jonathan's kind of quirky and weird, so I went with Corey Haim, because he played quirky characters when he was younger. Mm, yes. What? We're not worried about the age that much, because he would have been closer to 
He can play older. People. Oh, so they only cast age-appropriate people all the time? I like cameras. It's harder to play older than it is to play younger. <laughs> but how old was he in Corey Haim? Because he, in Lost Boys, he was like 12. He was like, that was 87. Yeah. Well, no, he was older than that in Lost Boys. Was he, he was born in 71, so in 1985. Oh, Thank you. Oh, yeah. I, I stand very corrected. He would have been appropriate. He would have been in the 14. Yeah. He could, have, he could have played. He could play a 15, 16 year old at the age of 14. I agree. Oh Wholeheartedly. I will respectfully. Mommy, Daniel. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I picked for Jonathan Byers Crispin Glover. Awkward, yeah. age appropriate. Boom. Oh, Mom. <laughs> uh, we gotta get weird. I can't even. Like, I, I, just, I just watched like River's Edge the other night and he's so weird in that movie. <laughs> Um, so let's do Steve. Now. Wait a minute. Kristen yeah. Glover was born in 64, so in 85, he's 21. But okay. Um, pardon me. You can play younger. I, yes. I'm pretty sure, oh, pardon I'm me. Pretty sure the guy who, I'm pretty sure the guy who placed uh, Jonathan <laughs> on the show is in his early 20s. Yes, he is actually literally 23. Wait, now. So if you can play younger, you can also play older. No. No, you can't yes, get you bigger. Can. <laughs> you can look. You can't grow older. Everyone's not going to. You can. Grow. Maybe okay. Gonna... You can. Mm-hmm. You can. Literally, you can. Okay. But, like, I just think it's easier for a 20-year-old to play 17 than a 14-year-old to play play 17. Than a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. Yes. I think Corey Haim, if you look at him in 1987... Look at the movie Lucas. Yeah. Lucas came out that year, right? In 85. He looked like a little boy in that movie. It would be kind of weird if he was, like, driving, even. (laughs) That probably would have been a little much. Um, Also, Wayne Ryder was in that, too. Yeah, uh, but Crispin Glover was playing a teenager in uh, Back to the Future in that era in '85. Yep. So it's good to have passion. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do Steve next. My new favorite character in the show. Yes, <laughs> formerly the bully, and we know from season two he becomes a little bit more. Yeah. So I wrote down like three different names, but I think I finally landed on Jason Bateman. But now, like, after season two, I'm like, I guess I could see Jason Bateman still doing that. Like, grew his hair out, did some hmm. stuff with hmm. it. I don't know. I picked Ryan Lambert from Kids Incorporated and Monster Squad. I like it. Age appropriate. <laughs> I guess. This was my most infamous pick from last time when we recorded. Wait a minute. Let me see if I can... Oh, I remember who I remember yeah. who you picked. I, I don't know even how to pronounce his real name. Tymac, 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 Bruce Leroy from The Last oh. Dragon. <laughs> I think he would have been the most appropriate. <laughs> and also, knowing the only thing though is season two, he actually has a fight, and it'd be tough to see Bruce Leroy get beaten up. Yeah, you know what I mean. You'd expect him to pull out some stuff, but you know it's a different character. Fair enough. Speaking of the fight, let's just go ahead and go to, what's his name, Billy? You want to jump to Billy? Yeah. Oh, okay. you have one for Billy? Yeah. Oh, Season two. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's probably, probably, we probably all have the same actor in mind. Definitely. Um, we definitely don't. I promise. Okay. Yeah. Because he looks identical to Rob Lowe in that show from the movie uh, St. Almost Fire. Mm. He's got the oh. same hair, same earrings. Yeah. I feel like they cast hmm. him because he looked like Rob Lowe. Interesting. But anyway, so that's, that's my pick. I picked someone that I like from when I was younger, um, Robert Rustler. He was the um, 
the friend in Freddy's Revenge, and he's um, Robert Downey Jr.'s friend in Weird Science. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's also in this movie I like called Shag. Wow, so that's like, a good... I really like yeah. him. That's a deep cut. When I was that's younger. cool. I know. He's a good, like, bully character. Yeah, he's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And definitely age-appropriate. Yep. <laughs> you, you guys both have very thoughtful answers because mine is just I just picked a bully from movies because <laughs> uh, I was like you know he, he's a bully in the in Stranger Things you know like, yeah. no no oh. I picked that, that would have been good too that is good. I picked oh. William Zapka from uh, Johnny oh, Johnny from nice. the Karate Kid I mean I just thought Put straight up body bag. yeah just, you know just the a guy that's kind of intimidating yeah. and kind of a jerk kind of a pretty boy also he's got to be you know that too so Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. Right. Steve Sutherland would have made it too. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I that, that is a good one. Yeah. He was on my short list for Steve, but he is kind of more of like bad boy than yeah. mm-hmm. Steve was. So. And he's um, cool too. He's like, yeah. Let's go. So the next Nancy, I pick Brooke Shields. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I couldn't really. Else. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my answer. My original answer was Robin Lively. She was Teen Witch. But I changed it to Carrie Green from Lucas and Goonies. Because oh, yeah. she has a little bit more sweet, innocent type of look to her. Not that Robin Lively doesn't, but I think Carrie Green. And that's kind of roles Carrie Green played. I mean, if we're going to talk about sweet and innocent, <laughs> vanity. <laughs> Your whole cast is just like it's yeah. That's like we we have like three last dragon people that we thought of. <laughs> Wait, who was your pick for Mike? Uh, Mike, uh, I picked Christian Bale. Christian Bale and Vanity could have been brother and sister. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe Christian Bale was adopted. I'm that's a good call. He was adopted. Yeah, either way. Yeah, or maybe, or maybe her different mother. dads. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dad is so stupid on that show. Anyway, he probably would think like, yeah, "Of course she's." <laughs> He's just reading the paper; doesn't yeah. even look up. Um, who's next? Let's go to. So we got these guys. Let's do Hopper. Chief Hopper. Yeah, Chief Hopper. I I I got two guys written down. I can't remember which one I finally <clears throat> went with, but I. Uh, actually, I'm going to go with Jeff Bridges. Close second, Ted Danson. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my picks. Cool. I picked Ted McGinley from Married with Children. That's, what, that's like the only thing I know him from. Oh, and, Revenge uh, of the Nerds. I think he's also oh, was he? Happy Days. Part two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Happy Days. Yeah. yeah, Ted McGinley. Interesting. What What made you think of him? I don't know. Chief Hopper is just kind of like a, an older, friendly mm. guy. What is he? Kind of gruff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's just the... came to mind. Uh, oh. For me, Sorry. Hopper is, you know, yeah, kind of rough around the edges, a little grizzled, yeah. and yeah. looks like he could just own you, like he can just throw down. So obviously, <laughs> my pick, Bill Shatner. <laughs> Captain Kirk. Fresh off a plane, uh, a police officer, T.J. Hooker. T.J. Yeah. Hooker is the name. But you don't have to lose any sleep wondering what the TJ stands for. As far as you're concerned, my first name is Sergeant. He he has the experience and the chops to play. Now kind we have of a to grizzled... remember when we get to um, the pick for Joyce, we have to figure out if your pick for Joyce and William Shatner 
Is that something that we can imagine happening? Sure. Okay. We'll William Shatner, I can picture Bill Shatner with anyone. <laughs> Nothing stops him. Yeah, I and I just thought of this like uh, Ron Perlman. You know, he hmm. can play Hopper since Hopper's playing Hellboy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm still gonna stick with my Jeff Bridges. Uh, let's, yeah, go ahead and go to Joyce then. So for this is Joyce is by the way the mother that Winona Ryder plays. Yeah. Just to refresh people, I had three different names written down, but I think I I landed on uh, Karen Allen, who is also co-star with Jeff Bridges and Starman, but she's most known from the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, she could. I think I can picture her playing uh, like. Concerned for her son. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the main line of both seasons, really. So mm-hmm. I, I could see her doing that too. I picked Gina Davis. I like it. Noise, noise. I picked America's mother in the 1980s. Yeah. Dee Wallace. Oh. Sweet. I can see her with William Shatner if they ever got together, which they don't in the TV show, but I feel like that was kind of. Seems like what they were. Oh yeah, we we were kind of yeah. Why was that even? Yeah. Or can you imagine her and Ted dancing? I was a big Ted dancing fan. <laughs> <laughs> even though I picked Jeff Bridges. So what's next? I also picked. I think this is the last one that I have written down is uh, Barb. Barb. And for Barb, based solely on hair color, I went with Molly Ringwald. <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. Is Barb's hair red? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not paying really attention. Um, my original pick was Ricky Lake. That was based on her performance in Hairspray. But then I changed it to Mindy Cohn, who played Natalie from Facts of Life. Did you change it to my choice? Is that your choice? Yes. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'll, you, I'll were, mine. you were really impressed with that pick. I was. <laughs> I recorded. But I said earlier that when I made changes, I didn't know if they were genuine or if I had remembered them. Right. So I changed, I changed it back to her. Yeah, I, I think uh, the what, what was the character's name in the Facts of Life? Natalie. Natalie from the Facts of Life. I think that would have been super appropriate. When you live in the Facts of Life. I was just seeing that a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> you take the good, you take the bad. Um, I picked a couple other ones I remember that no one else did. Uh, Dr. Brenner, the Matthew Modine character. Mm. Um, oh, right. I picked him. I, I chose Robert Stack. Perhaps the answer will come someday soon when the skies open up over another small community and the blobs once again fall to earth. I think it's huh. kind of Ooh, like that's a, a good call. Yeah, just, you know, thinking of the Unsolved Mysteries and just his acting chops. He would have been kind of interesting as that character. What about, um, mm-hmm. oh, I can't think of his name from Blade Runner. Um, Rucker Howard? Yeah, Rucker Howard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He could have owned anything in that sure. era, so... Um, we didn't do one for Paul Reiser's character. Well, that was before season two when we did it. Oh, yeah. I, I also picked Mr. Clark, the science teacher. That was really important in the first season. He barely has a cameo in the second season. Yeah. Um, I picked Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, oh, that's a good call. Him, so. Me and Rutger Howard, both in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> uh, and you have any other choices, Kia? You talked about maybe a couple other from season well, two. Well, I added Max and Bob. Max is the arcade girl, um, and she has red hair, right? Yeah. So I picked Allison Hannigan. Um, might have been slightly Allison Hannigan because she was in um, my stepmother's an alien. Mm-hmm. So I think she would have been 
age appropriate. Roughly She's also age. in um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and How I Met Your Mother. There was someone I thought you would pick for this part that you didn't. With red hair? Mm-hmm. That would have been... red hair? Yes, that would have been appropriate. Um, her name is Tammy Aaron. You know who that is? Pippi Longstocking. Yeah. Watch out, world, because here she comes, and she's bound to teach you more than one thing. Pippi Longstocking is coming into your town. Pippi Longstocking is one of your favorite films of that era. It is. Oh, my God. That movie is so amazing. Mm. She, she could have been a, you know, tomboy, red-haired. That would have been a great, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought for that's sure that's who great. you were going to pick. And then at Bob, um, I have three people. <laughs> One, um, my first person that I thought of when I thought of Bob was Paul Rubens. Oh, yeah. But then thinking of someone to play with Gina Davis, I came up with Jeff Goldblum or Alec Baldwin. The Alec Baldwin one was added because Beetlejuice is on this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only thing, Bob is like... Uh... Like, uh, the other guys you named, like Jeff Goldblum, I, I mean, I guess they could play it, but uh, Bob is kind of like, I don't want to say a loser, but he has kind of an aura so of like a guy. He's a dorky guy. Yeah, he's kind of dorky, and he's maybe a guy that, like, someone would have overlooked, like, the first, like, when they were younger, maybe, but, like, in their yeah. 40s, he seems, like, a lot more... Like okay, this stable, is nice yeah. Guy. This dude is actually like worth having around. He's not someone to well, pass over. That's why over. I picked Paul Rubens. Yeah, first, I think Jeff Goldblum could play that. He could play Jeff it. Goldblum younger was in terms of looks, yeah. But as he got older, a lot more handsome and definitely quirky and. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, he could definitely play it. I just I think of him as being so cool now that it's tough mm-hmm. to imagine him playing that part. But yeah. he could totally do it. Um, He's suave now. <laughs> I'm thinking John Candy. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me, because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. That oh. would have been great. That would have been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really, that's totally who I would pick. Yeah, I like that. Rick Moranis, maybe. Oh, dude, Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to you. <laughs> what about, um, you mentioned Kia, uh, Paul Reiser's character, um, his name's Dr. Sam Owens. Oh, did you think of someone for Max? Yeah. Um, Soleil Moonfry. Huh. Pookie Brewster? Yeah. Oh, she's, yeah. A... <laughs> she, she's young. She would have been a tattoo young. <laughs> Pookie Brewster is 85, so. Was it 85? Yeah, it was like 84, 85. Because the Challenger explosion was an episode. But playing right. with my rules, that answers exactly. Well, I also <laughs> did zero research. This is right off the top of my head, so. What about As what you about? See, I have all the oh yeah, the, um, the ages written. Paul Reiser's character, the the new doctor, yeah, he picks, he's kind of like a nice doctor. He's like sympathetic, sympathetic. bad guy almost. I don't even know if he's a bad guy really. Yeah, he's kind of neutral. John Lithgow. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Or Coach Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. That's, that's a good point. That's that's a good one. I like, I like that. Both of those. Yeah. 
uh, what's that guy's remember, remember that show uh, Empty Nest yeah the father uh, the doctor yeah see he's already a, I guess damn he's I can't think of his name either I totally know <laughs> who you're talking about oh or uh, <laughs> what about John Ratzenberger Cliff Clavin Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, uh, he's on the upside down. <laughs> Empty nest guy was Richard Mulligan. Yes. I was going to say, this is a little bit obscure, but uh, the Keys guy in E.T., Peter Coyote. Yeah. Or Coyote. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coyote, yeah. yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, um, he would, that's a good that's one, a good too. One. Just, I mean, I know he's a little bit, like, understated. He's not, like, a big actor, really, but... Uh, this is in terms of a guy like as an ET that's his character as someone that is doing a job but he's still a good person like he doesn't want to yeah. hurt ET or anything like that you yeah. know um, yeah I love that mm. Peter Coyote was in an episode of the 80s Twilight Zone really they basically remade an episode from the 60s huh. where he's like he, he he's in a dream and then in the dream he's like on trial for murder and he's like, I've been through this like 20 times. This is a reoccurring dream for me. Like everybody's going to disappear. Like you're all in the dream every time, but you all play different characters and stuff. And like, I remember the original yeah. one of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're all trying to figure out like, is this guy crazy or is he, is he, is this true? Are we really just a part of his dream? You yeah. Know, it's, it's really good. Hmm. So that was, uh, our casting game, yeah. uh, our enthusiasm may have been just a little bit muted because the first time it was it was brand new and yeah. uh, we had no clue what everyone had picked. Um, it has been long enough now that I forgot what most of mm-hmm. everyone yeah. else's picks were. So and we picked a lot of new ones too, for sure. Yeah. So uh, so that Still might fun. be we might pick out a new one for next yeah, next time yeah, we record. Yeah. That'd be fun. The casting one. Should we mention what we were originally calling it? Yes, because yeah. like, early like today I was before. like, um, yeah. Craig, are, are we still going to call it the casting couch? Yeah. <laughs> and Craig was like, yeah, I think we should just call it the casting game, which sucks because the casting couch is perfect. Yeah. It sounds but, much better, but with yeah. all the, the allegations and the recent yeah. stuff in Hollywood, it just feels kind of scuzzy to call casting it. Casting call. Yeah, it, yeah, casting it call makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I don't know why I'm calling it casting Let's game. Casting call. Casting I think it was call. like the half-assed casting couch or something we call it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was literally like a week or two before the whole Harvey Weinstein thing happened. <laughs> and you're like, oh, maybe Let's it's do a good thing. Half-assed casting call. Yeah, that works. Yeah. That's, that's good. Cool. is coming up guys <laughs> it was before i blew it and uh that means it's time for some spooky halloween music um in our very the very first uh, podcast we did uh, craig and i discussed you know spooky songs and halloween songs we just made we kind of just you know off the top of our head we're just naming off songs and i wrote them all down here and i've got like 18 written down that we mentioned before yeah are we mentioning that this we're not copying the other podcast that does this? I think last time you mentioned that. Technically, we did it first. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know but, if you wanted to mention like uh, when y'all first did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's like a pretty regular thing. Yeah, it's a pretty generic stage. topic. I'm sure a lot of different people have talked about before. It's not, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we're not we're not trying to like step on anyone's toes or take anyone's thing from them or anything. But yeah, we were. It. it I remember our discussion in the first episode was sort of. Based on uh, 
think it started off as there's certain songs that are attributed to being you know Halloween songs or play on Halloween mixes that aren't necessarily meant to be Halloween songs like there's that song spooky yeah the uh, Atlanta rhythm section and the only thing about it that makes people think of Halloween is the fact that they just say spooky in the song um, and then we just went on talking about some other songs we really liked and uh, we came up with the idea of five more songs that we all like that we like to play around Halloween season or just any time of year if you're into yeah fun spooky music so um, the first one I picked um, is one that apparently I'm, I'm kind of late to the party on um, I've heard it heard it a lot over this past Halloween season like every time I went to a costume store or a Halloween store I felt like it played like every time I went somewhere I was like oh this isn't as rare as I thought it was but uh, I'm the Wolfman by Round Robin <laughs> checker <laughs> I'm the wolf man baby yeah so. my first one is the theme for Nightmare on Elm Street I mean, yeah how can you not hear that and associate it with you know spooky scary yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna pick uh, Night Call from the Drive soundtrack you know the night calls on a soundtrack album I mean, on an album that's a concept album, and it's all about a ghost, like a kid that uh, is is driving his car really fast. He got, he dies in a car accident, and he becomes a ghost that's like always driving, you know, at night or whatever, right? Um, and Night Call is a song about that character calling his girlfriend, even though he's a ghost now. Hmm. Um, so if you think about it in those terms too, it's definitely a scary song. It's yeah. a spooky song. Just cool. Yeah. So. Um... The next one I'm going to say is Curse Walk by Shaboy. I gotta walk these woods alone Past the graveyard to get home Sun's going down, the shadow's getting long I hear the whippoorwill sing its song And, and uh, Shaboy is spelled S-H-A-B-O-I uh, it's actually a guy known named Josh Stafford, but uh, the song is on Spotify and YouTube and stuff. But uh, it's really good. Um, the whole he did like a whole Halloween album. So if you like that song, you'll probably like the whole thing. He's got another song called Curse Rock and another one called like uh, Rapsylvania. Yeah, and then uh, he had a few other like 
like really good ones. But Curse Walk is the one that I always put on my Halloween mix every year. Cool. <laughs> my second one is Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson. Sweet dreams That's basically because of the music video. Like the music video is really creepy. Mm-hmm. And um, when I first saw the music video, it was like when it came out, I guess, oh, like 96, I guess. And um, like I saw it like at night after everyone had gone to sleep. So it was really creepy. So the song itself isn't scary, but I think the song mm-hmm. with the video, yeah. like watch mm-hmm. it with the lights out, mm-hmm. be a little creepy. You're talking about Sweet Dreams, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I feel like that's the one where, uh, oh, no, no, no. When Marilyn Manson performed at the MTV Music Awards that year, I think he did The Beautiful People. And uh, I remember he closed the MTV Music Awards. And I remember Chris Rock was hosting it that, that year. Mm-hmm. And he said, everybody get your asses to church after like they were done or whatever. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like in that era, that's how you felt. Yeah. Like when you saw Sweet Dreams or Marilyn Manson in yeah. general, like growing up in the Bible Belt, like I had those feelings of like I'm watching something that is kind of like weirdly uh, satanic or like it's wrong yeah. almost. Like it was just edgy enough. Now looking back on it, it's silly, but yeah. at the time, like it it was really scary yeah. and kind of edgy. I think know? there are two different albums. I think Sweet Dreams really? came first. Oh, I associate them together. I think. The, yeah. Uh, the next one I have is Hank Williams Senior. Uh, Angel of Death. When you'll be laid beneath the cold clay, the angel of death will come from the sky and claim your pursuit when the time comes to die. And it's it's again, it's a very melancholy song about. Uh, someone on his deathbed and is his soul ready to uh, to meet the angel of death? You know, where is he going to go? <laughs> you know, is it going to be heaven or hell? And uh, it was used really well in the movie Frailty, uh, the Bill Paxton movie from like 01. So this is one that, again, it's, it's maybe not the scariest song in the world, but it's one I associate with horror movies and kind of a feeling of dread, you know. So the next one I've got is another one that I'm also late to the party on because I heard this at a lot of... Halloween stores this year is uh, Scully Gully by Bobby Boris Pickett, the guy who did uh, Monster Mash. When the skeletons will at bewitching hour, it echoes from dungeon to tower. Vampires, Scully Gully, zombies, Scully Gully. Scully Gully too. Oh yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. I remember you playing this one for us last yeah. time. Yeah. So it's you know it's along the same lines, but it's just like a fun, like silly song where he's trying to sound like uh, Boris Karloff. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is a song called Levin Levitation from the Sinister soundtrack. This is the thing that it sounds almost it's, like a haunted house. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's there's music. It's mostly sounds, 
And the part that gets scary is towards the end where it sounds like if this is hell and like a soul was being tortured. That's what it would sound like. So not even like a person being tortured, but the soul. <laughs> it's being funny. tortured. Uh, you you showed this you played this for us last time we recorded and I was like oh that is a really spooky song a really scary song and uh, I remember a couple nights later you were getting ready for bed and I queued it up on YouTube on my phone <laughs> and I was like oh I'm gonna turn on all the lights and when she comes out it's gonna be playing and it's gonna be like what's happening and like I was standing there and like it played a few like like it played like five or six seconds. <laughs> And I was like, this scares me too much right now, <laughs> knowing what I'm doing. Like, I'm standing yeah. in the dark, and I hear this this music, and I'm like, I'm kind of freaked out a little bit. Like, I don't know if I can do this to her. Like, just literally have her walk out and be like, huh? You know? Because, I, I mean, I didn't really mean to scare you. I thought yeah. it was kind of funny, you know? But I was like, this might actually be, like, legit scary. It might be, like, a real jerk thing to do. So, I, like, turned on all the lights and just, like, acted like nothing happened afterwards. <laughs> like, what so, are you doing? So, yeah, it's very effective. Very effective song. The next one I have is Echo and the Bunnymen, Nocturnal Me. And it's one that uh, I always thought of as being super scary. Or not scary, just like spooky. Like I, I, For me, it's more like a feeling. You know, it's, it's kind of like setting this atmosphere and something about this song. It's kind of like New Wave early 80s, kind of goth a little bit. And I remember uh, when I was younger, I would play this occasionally around friends. It would be like in a playlist or something like that. And they'd always make fun of me for it because it's kind of like borderline the cure type of feeling to it. And uh, so I kind of became like in the closet about it. I was like, I really love this song, but you know, I only play it to myself like, (laughs) you know, and uh, tying it back into Stranger Things, it played uh, in, like, the closing credits of one of the Stranger Things episodes. And I was like, oh, shit, like, the coolest show on TV is, like, closing out with, like, this song that I was, like, kind of embarrassed of, whatever. And I was like, hell yeah, yeah. you know? So it kind of, like, reinforced that, okay, yeah, someone else has noticed the song. So I mean, if you look it up on YouTube or whatever, it has a million... I mean, a, lot, a shitload of people love this song, obviously. Right. But it was just one that i kind of been embarrassed of for a long time. So it was kind of cool when like, other people had embraced it that I liked. So then my next song... <laughs> uh, I picked another one that's not terribly obscure. Uh, I went with Season of the Witch by Donovan. Must be the season of the five songs I like to listen to close yeah. to you getting close to Halloween just a nice Jeff do you put together like a playlist for Halloween and yeah I've got a, like a playlist on Spotify of like close to 50 songs yeah and uh, I actually put your next pick on my playlist for this year and it's it's a good one oh. so I think I know which one you're talking about I, I kind of go on I went out of order as I felt like talking about them so my next one is the theme from Prometheus um, is recorded. I can't remember the original band. I think it's Audio Machine. 
recorded this song and then for the trailer they added like screams into it is what makes it creepy so when I hear it I imagine like the landscape of Prometheus and just you're just like running through this landscape and that's the music that plays and the screams that play and that would be really scary well that's so effective that like I feel like the for the past five years that's been horror movie trailers I feel like like so many of them use that type of yeah uh, like that kind of music but also that punch that you're talking about where it's like like that weird like (laughs) noise or whatever uh, I feel like I've seen so many horror trailers that have that, you know, like you see someone's like hand on the glass and it's like, Meow! Meow! you know, like, <laughs> and someone like react and. What if there's just someone? Like an alarm going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just really. Yeah. What if there's like a singer that gets hired just to do that? Like, Round, <laughs> <Meow! laughs> <Meow! laughs> <laughs> There you are, sir. That's a good one. Uh, the uh, I think the one that you were you were anticipating uh, for my next pick is Salty Holmes, uh, the ghost song. Yeah. Well, the ghost come out to play, and then I thought I heard one say, "I've got you, I'll keep you, I always will." <laughs> so now I got you, where I want you. I'm gonna keep you. Which I had never heard in my entire life. My uncle, around Halloween season, sent it to me. It's going like, hey, this is one you might like. And I was like, yes, I love this. <laughs> Anything you know of like this, send it to me. because. Yeah. And it kind of sent me down a well of... Because uh, it's, it's a country music song, a country music artist from like the early 50s. And the clip that my uncle sent me, he's playing it like live on kind of a hee-haw type show. I mean, it's, it's that type of, you know, atmosphere, opery type of show. Right. And uh, it's just so fun seeing this guy, uh, you know, it tells a story, but he also does all these different voices. And, uh, and it's literally about a ghost and going to a graveyard. I mean, like the, the lyrics are just very spot on. And it's fun. I mean, it kind of harkens back to some of the stuff you're picking, Jeff, mm-hmm. where it's kind of a, like Halloween is spooky and everything, but it's also like a spirit of fun. And this one kind of kind of ties all that stuff in together, so uh, it's a lot of fun. I don't know how I've gone this long without ever even hearing of it. Yeah, you know, me either. Um, yeah, the first time I ever heard of it was last time we recorded. Right. It's uh, it's really good. In the video you're talking about, it's really fun too. It's like spooky lighting and yeah. everything. I got you. I can't do the voice. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Speaking of live creepy performances, have you ever seen um, Screaming Jay Hawkins? Do you put put a spell on you live? Where he does all the like... The the 
laughter. Yeah, like yeah. Weird, yeah, that's a really creepy. Well, thing, so. Wasn't his thing still like? I mean, like his whole shtick was like coming out of the coffin and was like a voodoo like, looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he like really embraced that. You don't see stuff like that on TV. Mm. Yeah. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's one I uh, mentioned on the previous one, but I'm gonna mention it again because it's my favorite Halloween song. It's a uh, Halloween by Rob Zombie and the Ghastly Ones. It was from a compilation that came out years ago called, I'm trying to remember the name of it, uh, Halloween Hootenanny. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's you can look it up on YouTube, and it's uh, I don't know if it's on Spotify or not, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really like it. It's kind of got that surf rock sound, and it's you know kind of hard rocking. It's good. Why did that become a thing? What surf rock associated with Halloween? Because to me, like I can hear, like I almost like can hear like the Pulp Fiction, you know, like yeah. music, and think Halloween because it's so closely associated together yeah. to me. Um, and the monster theme song essentially is the surfer rock. Yeah. I mean, it's for all purposes. Yeah, I think it, it must have been like sometime in the the early '60s when that, you know, because it was like that big monster uh, uh, fad that went around yeah. in the early '60s. So it's like youth culture kind of clashed with yeah. like monster movies and stuff. Maybe yeah, I'm that guessing era. like surf rock was probably just you know a popular type of music, and maybe yeah. they, they just kind of got mixed together. And huh. like, I mean, that's just a theory. I don't know, but makes like. sense to me though. <laughs> Kia, what's your last pick? My last pick is a song called "Skin and Bones" that is like a children. <laughs> I was anticipating this. A children's song that we used to sing in music class in elementary school. There was an old woman all skin and bones She lived down by the old graveyard Yeah, it's just a children's song. Yeah. It goes, there was an old woman all skin and bones She lived down by the old graveyard At night she thought she'd take a walk Anyway. I'm not going to do the whole thing. <laughs> she walked down by the old graveyard. Ooh. She saw the bones are laying around. Ooh. She went to the closet to get a broom. Ooh. She opened the door and boom! <laughs> and we would sing it like with the lights out in music class. Um, that's one that, uh, for one thing, we went to, over Halloween season, the three of us went to... Uh, a thing called the Glow, where it was uh, Jack Lantern's um, this kind of exhibit at the Fontanelle mm-hmm. here in Nashville, and it was it was a lot of fun. But there was a moment when we were walking down the pathway to this thing because it's kind of an off to the side where you know there's uh, where it's very very dark and the Jack Lanterns can be seen very well. Uh, but we're walking down this really dark pathway, and Kia starts singing that song. You started. You you sang a few bars of it or whatever, just like, <laughs> and like it gave me that feeling of like, ooh, this is like we are doing something kind of like you know classic Halloween right now. Like it was it was very cool. Like that I think moment. it might have been when we saw the graveyard because they really? had a little graveyard. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I just heard that really stuck in my head. Uh, and that song stuck in my head, too. That's one of those things where sometimes I'll be at work three in the morning, you know, walking along, you know, <laughs> and just that song kind of like I'll hum it, you know, it's, it's, it, was it a sticks in. Song. Yeah. You know, you sing it when you're younger. <laughs> she went to the closet to get a broom. She opened the door and We did have a few listeners weigh in. You don't have one? Well, I, I do. I just feel like mine suck. Did you do the song that you talked about last time about it was by a, a, a woman? Female singer? Um, did you do that one? Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't. But, oh. I mean, that can be my last pick, though. Um, oh, because I like that one. The, uh, and and I, one of the reasons I shy away from it is because I, I know I'm butchering her name. It's Gishi Wiley. I mean, I guess. That's how it's it. Gishi Wiley. Gishi Wiley. And it's, this is like a blues recording from like, I think the 30s. And it was used in the movie Crumb. That's the only reason I know about it. The documentary Crumb by Zary, Terry Zwigloff or whatever. And uh, there's a sequence where uh, Crumb has all these, Robert Crumb has like this vast collection. And they're kind of showing off just all these really obscure things that he has. And he pulls this one out. And it's called The Last Kind Words. The last kind words I hear my dad say. Lord, the last kind words I hear my daddy say. If I die, if I die in the German wall, I want to send my body thin and it's about again it's another one of those songs about death and it's about uh if i die in the war what you what you need to do to my body and and all this stuff and it's just so sad and so like haunting and the way she sings it is so matter of fact that in a way that makes it creepy too she's not trying to be creepy like Mm -hmm. something about that makes it weird like it kind of spins it even more for me um, and the guitar riff is just really unique, and every time I hear it, it just hooks me, you know. Um, so it's definitely one of those that I return to over and over again. If I if I get in, get in that mood, you know, I want to kind of think about melancholy stuff or spooky stuff, or whatever. I don't know why melancholy is the same thing to me, but it That's feels spooky. like it. It feels like it is to me, like it something that, like not being truly depressed, but kind of being like a tinge of sadness, kind of mm-hmm. like ties in the spookiness, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's. Like those old blues songs with just that guitar, they do sound like melancholy yeah. and creepy. Right. And kind of, yeah, there's like a haunting kind of sound to it. It's def- I think definitely when people hear it for the first time on this, they'll be like, oh yeah. Like, and obviously it's... like the old legend of, you know, the blues singer that goes to the crossroads and tra- gives his soul to the devil. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like, I mean, that's I guess it does kind of tie into yeah. that stuff, yeah. So the, the listeners, when I when I threw this out there, what are some of your favorite Halloween slash spooky songs? Um, we had some good, like, the, the choices that um, might be a little on the nose, but are just like tried and true. So obviously uh, we had uh, from at Jewel, Julie Life, excuse me, Julie Life's Crazy, <laughs> It's a ministry. Every day is Halloween. And uh, is it Bauhaus? Bauhaus? Bauhaus. Bauhaus. Bella Lugosi is dead. Which I think Bella Lugosi is dead is a fantastic one. uh, You know. Bella Lugosi is dead. The bats have left the bell tower. The victims have been bled red velvet line. 
really good one that um, we have from Mark at Bobo Hurley. Uh, this is Halloween, Danny Elfman, uh, you know, the Halloween theme song from Nightmare for Christmas. I mean, it's like the quintessential mm-hmm. Halloween. Oh, sure. Song. I mean, that like kicks off the season, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the, the really also quintessential. Oh, are you finished? No, no, you go ahead. Are you not finished? Uh, oh, I feel like I'm sure to be mentioned. No, no, no. Go ahead. Th- those were pretty much the only ones. I was going to say, obviously, a very quintessential Halloween song is Thriller. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. feel like you can't even have Halloween without Thriller. And that's the one Halloween song I hear played on the radio. They don't play yeah. any other Halloween songs, and well, they usually never do. And it's one that I think it's easy to take for granted because, uh, again, going back to the Stranger Things, when that was used in the Stranger Things Season 2 uh, trailer, sure, yeah. I mean, it was just fucking electric. I mean, when, yeah, when that... I goosebumps every time yeah. I watched it. When, when, that, when that keyed in, I was like, oh, you and know... If, if you ever watch reaction videos, because I have a thing where I just, for some reason, love watching <laughs> reaction videos, so I've seen the Stranger Things trailer tons of times. Like, everyone, non, like, without fail, every action video I see, people are like, holy crap, that's Thriller. Like, everyone gets yeah. so excited. It's just... It's really cool. It's, it's just one of those, yeah, you can take it for granted so easily, but it is Halloween, man. I mean, it's yeah. just like, when you hear that song, it's just, you know, I mean, there's something like, so special about it. That song and Monster Mash, those are probably, like, the only Halloween songs that are, like, pop culture, like, that everyone knows. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Especially Thriller, mm-hmm. where they play that like on the radio, or yeah, like those are like those are like the top three for me. The as far as just like if you have a Halloween place, you got to have Thriller, Monster Mash, This Is Halloween. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, uh, for Halloween, I went to my friend's house in California, and we were in the backyard uh, setting stuff up. The there were these two kids that lived next door on the other side of the fence, and they were outside. Like you tell they were like playing basketball or something, and one of the kids was just like saying every single word of "This is Halloween," and like me and my friend were sitting there like, like you're trying to be quiet so they didn't know we were there. We're like eavesdropping on them, but it was so funny because the kid was just like "This is home, This is like he was just like going through it like super fast. Like the song was playing so, at your at no, he was just like singing it to oh. himself. He was just Aww. like. <laughs> I'm the ghost with the kind of baby. just like, I mean, I was sitting there like, at a certain point, he's just gonna stop, but he sang the entire song like that. So he was just playing basketball with his friend, just singing. Yeah, and Aww. then he, and then at one point, he's just like, uh, "Hey, hang on a second, I gotta go poop." Yeah, like what? Yeah, and then he went up. So, uh, how old were these kids? I couldn't see him, but they they couldn't have been no older twins. than like twelve. <laughs> yeah. Okay, twelve. That's not so yeah. cute. But if it was like five. Well, this it sounded cute. I don't know. I took a, I made a little recording of it because I was like, me and my friend about to like, <laughs> you know. I guess that's it though for the kind of spooky songs Halloween segment. Good choices, everyone, and thanks for everybody for sending in their own. At the end of every episode, we like to talk about things in the horror community that are making us scared. So what's currently making me scared is Fear Street, which is a series by R.L. Stein that I used to read when I was younger that um, Craig had the good idea of. We have a blog um, of me revisiting my old Fear Street books and writing about them. And I got super excited about it because... I don't know of any horror series ongoing for adults that was like Fear Street, where similar characters pop back up in later stories and everything revolves around the same neighborhood. So that's what's making me 
scared. Craig has gotten me some of the books, including the very, very first one called The New Girl, which I think debuted in like 87 or 88. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. So you're, you're for sure going to do that? You're going to write mm-hmm. like little reviews for the website and everything? Yes. I'll try to keep up with that, but I'm nice. definitely for sure going to read them. <laughs> Is that a real thing? No, it, well, it's a song by uh, Bob Seger down on Main that down on Main Street. Uh-huh. I still look pretty. And for those who don't know R.L. Stein, R.L. Stein also did Goosebumps, and I think that's his other really it's big. Kind of things, a household but, name, yeah. Yeah, but Fear, I didn't read Goosebumps. I was a little too young for me, but Fear Street was so good. And it was aimed at teens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Fear uh, Goosebumps was more supernatural. Fear Street was more like slasher, gory serial killer type hmm. situations. Fun. Yours leads into mine. Uh, I was at the Dollar General store earlier this week and uh, they have like those racks of DVDs that are like, you know, $3 and stuff. And uh, they had a show that I've watched before on Netflix, but I went ahead and bought the DVDs because I thought, you never know, they'll take it off Netflix. Yeah. But it's uh, R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. The following program is rated TVPG. Some scenes may be too scary for children under seven. We suggest watching together as a family. Which is like a kid's, you know, it's sort of like Goosebumps, but better. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I was slightly too old for Goosebumps by the time that came out. And um, the this is like a, like an almost, the, I don't know, I feel like the endings of The Haunting Hour are a little darker than the ones from huh. Goosebumps. And uh, so I watched this whole series that they have, all the episodes they have on Netflix, you know, in my 30s, and I loved it. So I would recommend that. But I got, you know, two DVDs of it for like three bucks a piece at the Dollar General store the other day. So, and How long did it run? Was it like a short-lived uh, show? Or? Yeah, I think it started in like 2011, I think. And I think mm. it was maybe three seasons. Wow, I didn't realize it was so recent. I don't, yeah. remember, I don't remember it. It's, it's actually really good. If, if it's still on Netflix, I'd recommend, you know, Looking hmm. it up and checking it out. Nice. But yeah, it's good. They're also supposed to do some episodes of Fear Street. Like, I don't know if that was for Netflix or something, but... Mm-hmm. Um, like as an anthology... I think so. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> um, what's making me scared? Uh, I'm going to pick what I did last time. Uh, it's a YouTube channel uh, by called Dr. Udru. Hello horror fans, Dr. Udru here, and today I'm looking at the missing pieces of the Universal Monster Cycle from the 1930s and 40s, so without further ado, let's get to it. It's by our friend Andrew J. Wright. Uh, He's someone that I've gotten to know, uh, it's kind of a full circle type of thing, because I actually found out about his channel through AV Club. They did an article, like a write-up about one of his posts on his YouTube channel, where he does... uh, like pretty deep dives into like a specific thing in horror, the horror genre or whatever. And it's all kind of horror history. So he might pick out like the Evil Dead trilogy and he'll do a 10 minute video about those movies and how they were produced and kind of, you know, like ins and outs of those. Or he'll do one about body horror and he'll talk about David Cronenberg. And, you know, it's just really well researched and fun and they're never overly long. So, I mean, if you've got 10 minutes, you can learn a lot about one subject. So, yeah, the YouTube channel, again, is Dr. Udru. Definitely worth checking out. His Twitter handle is at DrewDrew1986. Um, so, if you, you want to stay... How do you spell Udru? 
it's it's just like Drew Drew together. He just did like a, oh. so it's D R, U D R U. Oh. Okay. Yeah, like it's. He said that uh, he told me one time that a coworker called him Drew Drew, like <laughs> hey Drew Drew, like that. You know, his yeah. name's Andrew. And uh, he just kind of did kind of like a play on, you know, kind of like an Ed Wood type thing almost, where he's Dr. Udru, you know. So, oh. kind of makes sense. Yeah. Gotcha. When yeah. he pointed it out that to me, I was like, sense. oh, yeah, you know, but like, yeah. Because I, I actually asked him one time how you actually pronounce it. And he was like, well, if you think about it, it's just, you know, you kind of point it out. It's because it's Dr. Udru. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really good YouTube channel. Definitely worth anyone's time if you have any kind of interest in, you know, horror history and just, you know, kind of odd topics and everything. He did a really great one about Ed Wood, where it kind of talks about Ed Wood's life and oh, cool. his movies and everything. So, definitely check that one out, guys. Okay, guys, so the next movie is the holiday classic Scrooged, starring Bill Murray from 1988. But uh, that's what we're going to pick out for... The Christmas season. It involves a ghost, right? I'm yeah. assuming. I've never yeah, seen it before. Yeah, yeah. It's, got, it's got some supernatural elements and uh, some genre elements, so I think it qualifies. But uh, It's my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, it's readily available on demand on cable. I'm not sure how easily it's found elsewhere. Um, but, I mean, I feel like enough people have seen it where it's pretty easy to uh, kind of... access. Yeah, pretty easy access. So... Join us next time, won't you, for Scrooged! Ooh. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at Horrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, HalfAssedHorrorcast.com. Yeah.